Uh, so I was a college minister in my very first ministry job, and I learned so much in that. And I learned a lot from the college kids, too. And one of the things that I learned is that I am old, um, too. Because uh, I kept saying things to the students like, you know, for our generation, um, you know, for people our age. And, and one day, one of the students, like, raised their hand and like, um, sir, uh, no offense, but uh, I don't think you're actually, like, our age, <laughs> sir. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, that makes so much more sense. I was a little devastated, but all of a sudden it made sense why they weren't laughing at my French pinch jokes and why they weren't laughing at my MySpace jokes. It wasn't because they weren't funny, obviously. It was because they just didn't know about MySpace. They didn't know about Pogs. They didn't know that there was this thing before Netflix called TV that you would just like turn on and watch whatever it gave to you along the way too. Um, so time and culture and and age moves very, very fast. Uh, change comes quickly. Uh, yet at the same time, when we look out around the world, there's stuff that seems like it'll never change, doesn't it? Uh, those same old cycles and, and prejudices and patterns, uh, as always. Just it seems like faster and more blatant and more targeted in their advertisement. And we wonder, can things ever be truly different? Can we be different can there be a different new way amidst the old? And sometimes it seems like the deepest old ways of status quos are the things that we find within religious frameworks. It's those old questions of earning and evaluation, of, of judging who is in and who is out, and, and suppressing the questions that our soul really wants to ask. We wonder, where is the love at the center of it all? Is there new life here, or is it just old stuff? For our culture, for our faith, for ourselves, for our world, is there a different way? Well, Jesus stepped into a world that was wondering those very same things, that had been under the thumb of the Roman Empire, that seemed like it was so powerful that it would reign forever. And on the faith side, there was this inflexible religious system that was full of checklists and shame that seemed more interested in preserving those old status quos than of bearing good fruits and bringing new life. And into that world over and over again, Jesus intentionally and strategically stepped in front of the old and unveiled a new vision, a different way that changed the whole calculus of everything, a new relationship between us and God and each other that was centered not on the things that religion had been centered on for like ever, but a new way that was centered on love for God, for our neighbor, and for ourselves. In ways big and small, but always transformative into that world, Jesus brought something new, a different way in how he lived and who he was who he welcomed and how he loved and how he honored the worth of all that he met. It was not religion 2.0. It was something brand new. It was a different way. And in that vision today is still the life to make us and our community and maybe even our world new as well. So when Jesus described this new vision, he would sometimes use a metaphor from the context and the culture of the day. He would call his way a new covenant, a new covenant. A new covenant. Um, so in that ancient context, a covenant was a technical legal term for the framework of a relationship. It was kind of like a contract, like house rules for how we will all be together. And you've got 
covenants in your life in relationships or, or marriage relationships. You've got a covenant around the apartment if you live with some roommates. You know, everybody pay your bills on time, wash your own ramen bowl, share your Netflix login with those around you, and we'll all live happily ever after, right? That's kind of the covenant that defines the framework of our relationships so that we know where we stand, so we can feel secure in our identity and our relationship with those around us and know our expectations of each other and ourselves and begin to live a new life together and allow creativity to happen amidst that framework. Now, in religious terms, a covenant can be thought of in that very same way. It defines the framework of our relationship with God, letting us know our identity and our relationship, the expectations. What, is, what does God want from us? and our creative way of life together, how we will do life along the way. So the world that Jesus stepped into had a definite covenant, a framework, and it it might be something like you've sometimes bumped into still today in religion. The old covenant was essentially keep the commandments, and if you obey them, you'll be blessed. There's this long list of do's and don'ts that they had in those times. They had the Ten Commandments, and they had 603 extra commands just to make sure that they didn't get close to those Ten Commandments. If you follow that list, then you're golden, but if you break the rules, then no soup for you was kind of the framework of the covenant. We can kind of chuckle at that, but, but for all of us, some of our deepest stuff is tied into that framework. Because That's a covenant that quashes and bounds life, not cultivates it. That stifles, not sets free. Follow the rules, fit the mold, be born in the right place, in the way, in form, and you're worthy of love. But if not, and this was the framework by which much of humanity at that time understood its relationship with God, and and so often, I think, is innate for us even still. But Jesus stepped into that system, that framework, and began to open our eyes through his teaching, through his practice, his modeling, his embodiment. He opened our eyes to a different way. And was it ever different? It was a way that began not with law, but with love. Not of earning and evaluation, not in and out, but of life and liberation and worth for all children of God. And when we began to wake up to its way, we find flourishing and even more when we as a community begin to try to live that out together, we begin to find new life for ourselves and for all people. And so I share that background context of commandments and covenant, because when you have that backdrop, it helps us understand the liberating power of the Jesus way and what it meant in that time and what it invites us to even now. It was something brand new and something different. Yet in a way that seemed right, like so perfect and timeless that it seemed to fulfill and complete everything that had gone before. It was new, yes, but yet it seemed like the heart of the whole story all along, even if humanity was just now waking up to it. And so what what was it? What was the heart of it? You know, get on with it, preacher guy. I'm saving it a little bit because Jesus did too. Um, He saved it until the last night that he was there with his disciples and friends, as they were gathered around the dinner table together, as he showed them through the communion experience, the picture of what this new covenant would mean, he unveiled the heart of it all, the framework for a new covenant, a new way of understanding our relationship with God and each other and ourselves. And he did that. He showed us the character of it by giving one 
new commandment. And we're like, ah, another commandment. You know, got plenty of those, all right? Unless it's thou shalt eat dessert first before dinner. Like, we don't need that. We've got plenty of stuff. But this wasn't one commandment to add to the 300, the 613 commandments. This was one commandment, period, that holds the heart of Jesus' different way, a new vision of our relationship with God. And here's what he said. He turned to his disciples and friends, and he unveiled this new commandment. He said this in John 13, 34. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. But notice in that commandment where it begins. Just as I have loved you, Jesus says. It begins from the simple, profound fact that you are loved. First and before anything else, apart from any earning or striving or getting or gaining, apart from any list or law, you are loved. So loved. You are a beloved child of God, beautifully and colorfully made of sacred worth and profound purpose. And that is the beginning of our relationship and covenant with God. And in some ways, it is the whole of the covenant, and it has always been. The community around John in 1 John 3, 1, say it this way. See what love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That's what we are. That is our identity and our sacred worth for you and for everyone in this room. The covenant of God with you is that God says, you are so loved. And in fact, I will give everything I have that you might know that and find it and find life through it. And that is everything. And it changes everything. Because the old ways of religion start with lists and with ledgers, right? with striving and with shame. And and Jesus says that old is gone. And in its place, the starting place, the generative place, is the profound love of God for the whole world and for us. So when you lay your head on your pillow at night, between you and your creator is nothing but love. For all you are, for who you are, for where you are right now, God loves you and cannot wait to see the life in you begin to grow and flourish free. It is a different way. It is a way of life. But okay, so what are we supposed to do with that love, right? That is a beautiful place to begin, but where do we, where do we go from there? Well, the rest of the commandment fills out our part of the covenant relationship. So go back to John 13, 34. It says, you are so loved. I have loved you, so all, you also should love one another. Let that love overflow from your life and be your way of life. And we do that not to earn God's love, but in response, in joy, like an echo of love that reverberates in our souls, we let our lives be shaped by that same kind of love, love as we have been loved by God in Christ, with grace, not law, mercy, not judgment, love as you have been loved. And some of us are thinking, is that, is that it? <laughs> just, like, just go out and love better? Um, you know, come on, Jesus, like, even for you, that's some really hippy-dippy stuff there. Um, you know, I knew the robe and the long hair and the sandals and stuff, um, you know, that was a sign. Here's the beauty of that. Here's the profound beauty of that. Though Jesus' way is more simple, 
It is far more demanding of us. It is a way of love that is wide, but it is not shallow. We can't hide behind religious ritual. We are called to a revolutionary love that changes everything. The call to love as you have been loved is deep and it is demanding. Because in that room were disciples, were friends of Jesus who would shortly turn their backs on him in his time of greatest need, but still Jesus loved them. And he walked across that room to be arrested, to go to the cross, but still he loved and forgave and gave all for all of us. Still he loved, not because anyone was following the commandments, but because that is who he is. What the heart of God is, and that is who you are too. A beloved child of God, of sacred worth, and by that love that went to the greatest ends, life break, broke forth. Like light in the darkness, like new in the midst of the old, and that love of God wins. And it is that same love that we are loved with, deep and complete, never-ending and life-giving. And so Jesus' one command to love as we've been loved is far more deep and demanding than any list could ever be. But the beauty of the new commandment is that, that, that following that and living in that does not start with us and with our efforts. It starts with God's love for us first and before all. As our hearts awaken and fill, we simply pass that love on to others. We love as we have been loved. But the script flip is true too. That sometimes in those times where we're not sure where we stand and we can't feel it, sometimes by loving others and valuing them as beloved children of God, they begin to show us just how much we are loved and invited into this story as well. So the wonders of the early followers of Jesus was that they began to discover this for themselves, the transformative part of taking that simple covenant and letting it be the center of their lives and of their communities together. And what happened when they did that was powerful. When that overflowing love became the center of their lives and of their communities together, they found every relationship was shaped by it. And so all of the imperatives that you find in their writings to each other begin from this principle of being loved and letting that love overflow. They let it try to apply it in every way that they possibly could. And so you think, see things like welcome as you have been welcomed, accept as you've been accepted, be merciful. How much as merciful as God has been merciful to you? Forgive each other as God in Christ has forgiven you. Love each other as Christ has loved you. For all of you, partners and spouses, love each other as Christ has loved you, it says. Parents and kids, yes, love each other in that same way. Cousins, yes, love in that same way. It keeps on going, like second cousins. You know, like, if you know what a second cousin is, then yes, love them in that way. Just like love everyone as you've been loved. And you'll begin to have the heart of this invitation to new life that God offers to all of us. But the most powerful thing of all was that they began to see not just themselves, but each one around them as beloved children of God everyone. Amidst their diversity and difference, they began to see each other, perhaps for the first time, to see each other as people of sacred worth with profound purpose. That all people were loved by God, and they tried to love all in that same way. 
And so there are these beautiful metaphors that grow from that. They said that we're like a body that's made up of many different and diverse but equally important and valuable pieces. And when each of us, when all of us flourish, the whole body flourishes, they write. Or, or that each of us are reflections, each made in the image of God, that in some way each of us reveals more the gift of God and of the Spirit of God that is among us. And in the diversity of ethnicity and race and gender identity and religious background and everything, maybe for the first time in human culture, they began to see that all were worthy, that all were a part of a new kind of covenant, fully loved fully belonging. Jesus offered a different way. And it is a way that we are called to today evermore. It's the work of this community here at Open and this church at First United Methodist. It's maybe the work of our generation, if I can say like our generation to you, if I'm not too old for that, to let this way of Jesus be the center of our lives and the center of our lives together in community. And so what you are doing as you gather and you be together in this life, what you are doing matters. It's new life amidst the old. The way you love and the way you welcome. The way you see each other matters. The way you offer all you are and embrace each other for all they are matters. And it is that love that calls us deeper as we follow Jesus together. After all, Jesus said that this is what it looks like to be a disciple, to be a follower of this way. This is where this verse comes from. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's the new covenant and the new way that we are invited to. And it begins with this profound truth that you are so loved for all you are. As we say in here, no matter your doubts or questions, where you come from or who you love, even in the chaotic seasons of life, you are loved by God. That's how God sees you and knows you. God loves you. And there's so much life and liberation in simply embracing that. But we begin to truly flourish in new ways when we also see each other in that same way. In this body, in this reflection of Christ, in this world, that way also. When we love as we have been loved, respect each other and listen to each other. When we create with and build community with each other, when we put each other's needs and experiences even before our own and honor the sacred worth in each other when we love just as we have been loved. Something new, something transformative, and something powerful happens. That's what it means to be followers of a different way. So open children of God, siblings in Christ on this journey. May we be disciples of Jesus's new and different way of love, of a new covenant, and be part of God's transformative, all-new making work of life and of love together. May we love as we are loved by a God whose love changes everything. Let's pray together. Gracious
loving God. Thank you that before any earning, any doing, God, simply being your child, you loved us first. God, it's a whole new way of understanding who we are and who you are, what we're invited to be. God, thank you for that. And that love that begins to wake us up to the sacred worth, the profound purpose that you've created us with. God, it also opens our eyes to each other to see each other in that same way. No matter our differences, no matter anything, God, to see those around us as loved by you. God, that is challenging and that is deep. God, but when we live it, it is transformative. And so thank you for this place, for this community, for this journey, for this church, where we can begin to put that into practice, to be challenged by putting it into practice, but most of all, see the incredible life and transformation and love and empowerment and growth that happens, the fruit that happens when we love as we've been loved. I thank you for your love that empowers it all. Thank you for Christ in this way, in this new covenant. Most of all, God, thank you for including us in the story of your new making, life-giving transformation of the world. Amen. So, uh, I can think of no better way to celebrate the new than by celebrating the new. Um, baptism is an ancient Christian expression of what it means to follow in this way of Christ. In some way, to, to, to die to the old in Christ and be a part of the new. To be born into this life in a way that, that signifies the difference between the old and the new and invites us into that power. In baptism, um, just like we talked about, it begins with God's love for us before anything that we do. God is the one at work in the midst of this in our lives every step of the way. But there also comes a moment when we get a chance to respond to that love, to embrace it, and to take it on as our way of life. And in that is newness and transformation. And so I'm so honored to get to share this experience uh, with my friend Angel, who's going to come up here now. Welcome, Angel. Let's, uh, let's cheer for Angel here. Welcome, Angel, child of love and child of God. God is here to bless you, and blessed you are beyond telling. Through God's grace and through your seeking, you have been drawn into the light of Christ. And your family here today, this open family of faith, your siblings in Christ, um, embrace you in that dance of light, of life, and of love. And so I want to ask you these questions of commitment today. They'll be on the screen for us. Do you embrace God's love for you? A love that we see clearly in Christ, a love that is full of grace and empowerment, open to all people of every age, race, gender, identity, and creed. 
And do you renounce the forces of brokenness and evil in this world and repent of the ways that you have been apart? Do you accept the freedom and power that God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? And do you embrace the new life of flourishing as a faithful follower in the way of Jesus? So friends, we have a commitment to make to Angel as well. So will you, as Christ's body, reaffirm your commitment to God's love? to nurture one another in faith and life, and to include angel now before you in your care, embracing them as one with you. Let's speak this commitment together. With God's help, we will proclaim the good some friends to come stand with you, and I know you've brought family and friends with you. If you want to come up now uh, to stand in solidarity and support with Angel. As they're coming, um, and we begin to prepare these waters of baptism, I want to pray over the waters together. Loving God, who's been at work from the beginning of time, just as water has been at work in our world to bring life. God, like water, you bring life to all things. You are, in some profound way, in all things. And you fill all things. And so in these spaces that Angel is offering to you now in their life, we ask that you fill them just like water. God, let these waters of baptism be waters of transformation. To wash them in moments of repentance, to bring new life and growth and flourishing like the nourishing waters of this earth. God, as Christ set the example for us to be baptized, repenting and finding new life, you said to him, this is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. And so as angel and submission offers themselves to those same baptismal waters. May we hear loud and clear your voice speaking, this is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. Amen. So if we want to lay hands on Angel, we'll take this moment to baptize. Thank you, Kate. Angel von Raven, child of God, sibling in Christ. I baptize you in the name of God, in the name of Christ, in the name of Holy, the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Angel said they wanted more water than we could offer <laughs> here. <laughs> I have a friend who baptized someone, and they were asking, how much water do you use? And they said, there's going to be a lot of water because we want you to know that all of you is covered in the grace and love of God. It's true.
Okay, will you lead us in prayer? Let's all join in prayer for Angel. Angel, the Holy Spirit work within you that by water and the Spirit you may be a faithful follower of Jesus the Christ, giver of light and life. God, by your mercy, let angels swim in this sea of grace together with this community. This place we call the kingdom, now and forevermore. Amen.